You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store. Or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Woo! One, two. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and just like the title implies, we cover all things hunting gear and equipment, from discussions with the top manufacturers to product reviews from past hunting experiences. Our goal is to provide you with reliable and unbiased product information in hopes of educating you on new products and assisting in future purchases. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and always, I should say as always, because you're not on every episode, but Bob Polanik's here too. Bob, what's up? How's it going, guys? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I checked my trail cameras uh, for the first time this year, and I'm pretty happy with the results that I got. And that makes me just really jacked for the upcoming season. I have, uh, I kind of follow you on uh, social media there a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I saw you had some decent bucks come up. I, I was also listening to, um, I think, uh, Mark Kenyon's podcast, Wired well, to Hunt podcast, and you have a nine year old buck. That, yeah. Yep. That is insane. Yeah. I've, wa- I've, I bet you I have five years of trail camera pictures of him. Maybe six. I'd have to go back and check, but I have like my trail camera organization is kind of spread all over the place. Um, I had to move computers. So I had two computers with two different sets of years and uh, I have, I still have yet to like transfer them all together into one, I guess, organized file. But yeah, he, and the crazy thing about this buck is I think he's nine years old and he has, he, he's been, Maybe the highest he's ever been, maybe is like 145. The biggest. He's always been an eight pointer with like a split brow tine. Uh, maybe one year he got into, would get into the low 150s, 145, 150 as kind of a, 
uh, a junk nine with just you know like a mainframe. He's like a basket eight, but he's got some junk some years. And one year, okay. he, yeah, one year is just a little bit bigger. But uh, this year, he's just the bottom dropped out of him, and he's like a big three point side with a split brow, and then a eight point or four point side on the other side. And, uh, it's just cool because his body's gigantic. Right. Right. So, that's super. That's super. Like that's got to be one of the more unique bucks to be able to hunt i know he's kind of always been a ghost for you and you've never really caught up with him during daylight but um yeah yeah he's what a rare just what a rare animal yeah yeah especially getting to that you know i had this conversation with another guy a while back where you know big big racks like that boone and crockett status like 170 and up is rare but also a buck getting to this eight nine ten year old status and looking healthy right his his antlers have gone downhill you know the last couple years but just an uh an animal to get that old and maintain especially through the winters that we've had in the last three or four years here in iowa that just have been absolutely brutal for an animal like that to survive is also rare and to me i'm just like that is just as much a trophy to me as let's say a boone and crockett rack yeah yeah you're gonna if you get a crack at him, you're going to try to launch an arrow through him? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm not very optimistic about having an encounter with him just for the pure fact that when this September hits, the velvet gets stripped, he sticks around for a couple more weeks. Um, and typically when there's been years where he stuck around into October, but he's always been nocturnal, which tells me two things. One hit. I'm not in his core area. He, he bounces outside of his core area. I, I think I know where he lives, but I don't have access to hunt that property. So he's nocturnal when he gets to my farm that I can hunt. And then the second is when the crops come out, I don't even see him anymore until the next year. So he's he just goes somewhere else. He just summers on this farm, and then he goes somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, cool. Yeah, what about you, man? Have you, you got any cameras out in michigan i do so i've got three different properties that i hunt in michigan and um actually last night i was uh on public land up by my house where um there's really never been too much around for uh shooter bucks i'd say right and and this year they uh 2019 you can't bait in michigan so I, I used to always throw, you know, I had mineral stations going, kind of just an inventory thing in front of my trail cameras. So yep. this year I've had to kind of get a little bit more strategic on just, you know, natural corridors, um, just heavily used runs and stuff like that. And I've put cameras up on old mineral sites just in case. Um, but yeah, I checked uh, four cameras yesterday up by my house on public land um, where it's just notorious for just no quality deer around and i was blown away to find three like 100 100 inch 110 inch potentially three and a half year old bucks um i think there's like there's a a nice wide seven uh the typical eight and then uh, uh a pretty decent 10 and i was absolutely blown away so that so. that's a, th- a three-year-old 110 inch 10 pointer is good where you're from uh northern michigan yeah 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 you, okay. ca- you hear you hear mark talk about that every once in a while it's 
there's just not a lot of nutrition up here. Right. I mean, there's there's plenty of ag around. There's no ag by me. It's all it's all national forest, but it's all just like scrub oaks and uh, you know pines and stuff like that. So uh, they, they just don't get a lot of nutrition. And then the mentality in Michigan is very like if it's brown, it's down. So they just don't. There's just not a lot of deer around. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever hear stories coming out of northern Michigan of like a slammer getting shot, like a, a, a booner oh, yeah. or just oh, yeah. like a freak that no one sees and then all of a sudden he makes a mistake and gets shot? Yeah, so there's there are those rare ones. Um I saw one uh, further north than me even I, he had to have been like a I think he was like a one seventy or one eighty non typical up in like Charlevoix, which is far north um northern lower peninsula gotcha um i myself i followed a buck um gosh i think i had him on camera for two years uh i think the year that he got shot was 2016 i think he was a four and a half year old and he was um he was in like our it's called the leelanau peninsula there's a lot of cherries and apple orchards up there yeah. Um, but he got, he probably had to be 145, 150, which is, he was like, I think he was a mainframe 10 with a kicker on his G2. I had a ton of pictures of him and then thought, saw him posted on a, uh, uh, forum or Facebook page called yeah. yeah Michigan buck pole. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> and then, um, I had another one that I was, I found him on public land, but he was crossing like a major highway and going over, he lived on private and he would come over on public like every time they'd cut the alfalfa field. And um, he had to have been 155, I'd say, easily. And he was, he had to have been at least a five and a half year old. So, yeah, they, they, we do get them up here. They're not super common, but we, yeah. we do get them. It's not, that's not like Iowa or Nebraska. Missouri. It's not like the Midwest where you can have a hundred acres and you can put a camera out and have, you know, four or five you know, 130 right. inch bucks or bigger. So we, we just don't, it's not very common. Right. Right. And then let's see. So you're getting ready to take a trip somewhere. You were telling me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My, uh, my vehicle is loaded with climbing sticks and tree stands and, and trail cameras. And I am headed to Nebraska tomorrow after work. So my buddy and I, I, um, we hunt a, a private farm in Nebraska that I've gotten permission on, uh, for the past few years, but it's right on the banks of the Missouri Nice. and it flooded out big time. It flooded out big time this, uh, March, uh, to where we had to cancel a scouting trip uh, or a shed hunting trip back in March because the whole farm was underwater. So did they even get that farm planted? No, they, from what I understand, they did not get the farm planted, um, it was, it was too wet all underwater, uh, in March. And then I guess it flooded out again for just like a day or two in, in late May. Um, my contact out there did say that they're potentially going to plant some sort of cover crop, uh, which like winter rye or something like that. Yeah. But we, we have not heard if, if they've done that or not. And then, you know, getting a hold of, the good old boy farmers to ask them uh, whitetail habitat questions is not exactly, you don't always get yeah. a return phone call. <laughs> right. So, right. so we don't know what's going on out there and we figured it's best if we just burn a weekend in August, 
get out there, see what's going on, maybe knock on some doors on some higher ground. Maybe we can get permission on another piece of property. Um, but yeah, I do have two cameras that I've had out there since November of last year. And I have no idea if they uh, were damaged in the flood. Um, I mean, I had lithium batteries in them and 32 gigabyte cards. So they should, they should have been fine to take photos all the way till I get out there this weekend. But if they got wet, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. What, uh, I've had a, a farm like that before or my main farm that happened. So obviously they cut the crops in the fall, uh, all winter goes by it, it thaws out, right. It dries up. And then what happened was, uh, they went and they put fertilizer down that might've even happened after sometimes they do it right after they combine the crops they'll get back in there and they'll put fertilizer down on the ground um for the next spring so it has all you know all winter to soak into the soil or whatever i'm I'm not a i'm not a farmer but what what happened was he ends up uh then it's a real wet spring and they don't get the river bottom planted and what it did is it created weeds that were like 12 foot tall and it Mm. was some of the best habitat that I've ever seen for deer. They were in that like crazy and it just sucked them in there. They were eating acorns. They were crossing this creek to a different farm for egg, but throughout the day, um, they were chasing does in that and, uh, had a booner. Let's see. Yeah. I had a booner 10 that was in there one year that we were trying to kill and it was so thick. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't you couldn't do anything in there, but so hopefully they they stick around and something like that happens as opposed to just flat barren and no yeah. cover ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I kind of hurt. So we hunted there for archery season in November of, of last year. Uh, late November, the landowner sent me a text message. I think it's the only text message I've ever gotten from in my entire life, and it said. The three big bucks that you had on camera, uh, combine, combine farm, farmer saw them, and everyone around the farm agreed to pass on them this year uh, to let them go to next year. And I'm talking, one of them was probably a 150-inch 10-point. Another one had to have been a, a 170, 180, 13-point. That they're going to pass uh, on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why this. So this farm got nuked with EHD uh, back in 2012. It was the same setup. 2011, big flood, whole farm flooded out. 2012, drought, all the deer are gone, and everyone's been, you know, bitching and moaning about how the deer hunting sucks. And you know, we go out there from Michigan, and there's three and a half and four and a half year olds running everywhere, and we think it's we think it's amazing. Right. But they they don't think it's high quality deer hunting so yeah um they agreed to to let all those deer pass we also saw my wife and i were out there and we saw like i was filming her and we saw five eight pointers that were like three and a half maybe two and a half three and a half yeah so that farm we were just you know we're just thinking you know 2019 this place is gonna blow up um there was corn in there last year and it's gonna be beans and always hunts really well with beans um just because it pushes all the deer into the timber. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we we just don't know. Big yeah. question mark. I'm still very excited. 
I have had one buddy tell me that what kind of what you were saying, it could honestly end up being the best year ever, depending on what happens with the weed growth and stuff like that. So, yeah, Yeah, that EHD can be some scary shit, man, and wipe out big populations. There's been reports of that here in Iowa, not in the county that I hunt or live in. Thank God. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but uh, there's been reports in some other counties where they've had, they've been hit by EHD already. Uh, I don't think it's been near as bad as other years, but that's just me, you know, reading, uh, very few news articles and whatnot. And, you know, guys on forums and, uh, you know, Facebook groups and stuff like that saying, Hey, right. we got it reported here whatnot, but it doesn't sound like it's been as bad as years where my stepbrother went out. I don't know what he was doing out there. Uh, on a farm one summer and they counted 22 dead deer in one pond. Oh yeah. 22. That's That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, what it is, what it is, but all right, this is the hunting gear podcast. So we should probably (laughs) talk about hunting gear. Um, I got, I want to change the topic just for a little bit. Eventually we're going to start talking about boots here, but I want to ask you if you've made any hunting gear, purchases recently uh just a couple tree stands yeah yeah um what are you running for tree stands every everything i can get my hands on for uh, in the 60 to 70 dollar range yeah gotcha yeah Yeah. so um that camo fire site i was talking about uh on the last episode that um they have a bunch of muddy decent muddy hang-ons uh, available for like half off or 30% off or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you can only buy one at a time. Like you can put five in your cart, but when you go to check out, they'll only let you buy one. I don't know if it's like a shipping thing or what. Um, it's, uh, they, it's, they're trying to save that deal for everybody. You're right. Huh? Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I run the, like the big game, like the $40 big game, hang-ons um the muddy ones i do have a few lone wolves and the climbing sticks but that's that's typically for uh you know when i'm going out to like nebraska iowa and get you know super mobile and i have a week straight to hunt and i'm always bouncing around but um right i think that's i think honey i bought some well i bought my wife some sick of gear for um our elk hunt that we're going on in a few weeks but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. My recent purchases are, I, I bought boot gaiters, um, yep. a pair from Kenetrek. I think that was, I did some research and that seemed like it was the best value and price and quality all kind of wrapped into one. So I went with those. I bought a bugle tube that for, <laughs> for my L cut. And so my kids are playing in the backyard and I'm practicing my bugle tube and my neighbors have got to hate my guts right now. Cause it's just, I'm screaming and trying to learn how to chuckle. So I, it's, you know, if there was anybody who knew what they were doing, it probably sounds absolutely horrible, uh, for, you know, my, my calling, but I'm trying to practice to get it. Yep. Uh, uh, so I bought a bugle tube and then here's this every once in a while, you know, it's time to make a big purchase, right? And so I I needed a, another base layer top, something somewhat lightweight, something that had some multifunction, you know, for out west, 
and on the tree stand and, you know, just kind of in my mule deer hunt, you know, being active, but also at the same time being able to use it while I'm sitting for uh, my, you know, my rut vacation or whatever. So I bought this hooded sweatshirt from Sitka and it was the apex hoodie. Oh yeah. And it's 200, I think it after taxes and shipping it to my door, it was like 225 bucks for a hooded sweatshirt, right? And mm-hmm. I put it mm-hmm. in my car, I bought it, and I'm just like, "Oh my god. I just spent 200 bucks on this thing." And it's almost like you get a little bit of this buyer's remorse or you feel like you got swindled or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Oh yeah. And so I got it. I tried it on and it's awesome, right? It's, it's Merino, um, mm-hmm. and this like and a different fabric on the shoulders, but it, most of it's right. a, a Merino base layer and it's going to do the job. It's going to be great. It's going to, I know it's going to perform, you know, because all my other Sitka stuff in the past has performed, but it's just that thing. Like I save up all year. I budget a certain amount of money for my hunting gear and equipment and my tags and my, you know, my trips and you take a big chunk out of it for one item. It's almost like a punch in the face as if that makes sense. Oh yeah. It's well, it's when you're buying it, it's like an adrenaline rush. You're kind of sitting there like rubbing your hands together. Like, Ooh, I get this new piece of gear. Can't wait to get my hands on it. And then you buy it and then you sit there and you're like, well, there goes 200 bucks. And right. I don't actually have anything to show for it right now. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, you get it and you feel better at least. Yeah. So but that's th- a great, that's a great piece, man. I live in that thing uh, when I elk hunt for a week. Oh, you got it. Yeah, you- that's my, that's my, uh, I, a lot of times I'll wear a Moreno, a lightweight Moreno underneath it. Okay. And then I'll wear that um, on top of it. Uh, and that's, it just depends on the weather. Yeah. And then if, if it's like, if it's even warmer, I'll shed that and I'll just wear my straight Moreno. But that thing, when you're busting through brush, because the the bottom of the arms and the shoulders have that different fabric, it just doesn't get like uh, up. hung up. Yeah, it doesn't get hung up on all like, you know all the short stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's a great piece. And then the way that the pockets, like the pocket on the on the the belly of it, the way that has like its own integrated pockets. That's yeah. that's super nice. Um, great piece. Yeah. Love that piece. Yeah. And it's, you know, I can tell I, just by looking at it, I, I tried it on. It's very comfortable. Uh, it fits well. And at the same time, you just from looking at it, it's just like the stitching and it's built really well. But I'm going to start doing a little bit more research on other companies and brands that are out there that may be direct to consumer like a Kuyu um, and stuff like that, because I don't know, like I just feel that. is a lot of money. I know it's going to perform, but I feel like there's got to be something else out there that is from the same standard or the same quality. I mean, but, but cheaper, like a lot cheaper. Oh yeah. There's got, there's got to be. Yes. Because, you know, Sitka is a, um, a retail, they have, you know, they're, they're a retail company and their branding and marketing is like premium too. Right. So, right. I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like you're paying for that. You're paying for the retail margin, obviously. And you're also paying for the marketing in that as well. That's all like kind of wrapped up into it. And, you know, they probably, you know, it worked. I bought it. 
right? Whatever they're doing, it worked. I ended up purchasing it and, you know, I'm going to purchase more Sitka gear in the future, but I don't know. There's just something about, about, I come from a fam, like, man, I, I come from a broke ass family when I was a kid. So every, every dollar, uh, that we spent mattered and my wife absolutely hates me for that. Yep. So, uh, I don't know is what it is though. I hear you. My, so my wife kind of came from, a. They, they budgeted their money very well, um, and both her parents retired early and stuff like that, and they don't live high on the hog at all. Yeah. And then my folks, um, they were divorced when I was young. Yeah. My mom here. was a cashier at a grocery store, and then my dad was like a general manager at a business. So my dad kind of lived middle class, and my mom was, um, I don't know, lower class. I guess I'd say, bless your heart, but. Um, and I lived with my mom and then you go to dad's house and it's like, you know, a little bit nicer place. So you see both, right. both ends of the spectrum. And, um, with that, it turned me into someone who I'd rather go without something until I can save up the amount of money to have right. to buy it once and be done. Right. Facts. So, yep. Yep. And that's the thing. Like, so eventually we're going to get into boots, but I got to ask you, I got to ask you <laughs> one more question because I'm the kind of guy who not only do, do I say all this, but I like to have some of the latest, greatest uh, tech or equipment or, you know, pieces of clothing or whatever. How often do you recycle your products? And I mean, like either sell an old garment or an old bow so you can pay for a new bow or get the latest and greatest arrows or broadheads. Or are you the kind of guy who keeps something for a long period of time? Uh, I sell and continuously, yeah. uh, upgrade. So yeah. that is a, and that is a requirement from my wife. It's also just, I don't need to stockpile, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. But I mean, I think 2014 I ran, I, I wore full blown sick of gear. And then I heard that they were changing their pattern in a year or two. So I offloaded all of it. And then I, bought all cryptic gear and then I liked that, but I kind of, I remember liking for whitetail hunting. I liked the Sika gear better. So I sold all my cryptic gear <laughs> and then went back to Sika. Um, so yeah. And same with like a lot of like photography equipment and stuff like that. Um, I'll buy and sell lenses always, you know, a lot of times selling stuff and buying something new. Um, it just, I don't know. It helps pay for it. So yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker. I give a lot of stuff away. I I've, I give my dad all my old or my stepdad all my old camo. I've given bows to guys who, you know, like I'm doing my part to try to help get other people into hunting by giving right. them some free, you know, some free gear. But all right, let's talk about boots. All right, I got we got to do a hard cut here. All right. right, let's do it. Let's do it. Boots. All right, so boots are one thing and you know we had this conversation about um gear and clothing right and this evolution where we you know we started with basically cotton jeans or carhartt overalls and now we're into some more high t higher end stuff like the sitka gears uh the cryptex and what and whatnot something you know more hunting focused um why don't you talk to me a little bit about your boot game back in the day as far as whitetail tree stand hunting, um, I've always been a 
uh, rubber knee high guy, uh, scent control type of thing. Um, also, if you do want to throw a little dough PP on your boots, <laughs> if they're, <laughs> I was that guy. Rubber. I used to be that guy, dude. <laughs> Dude, I still do it from time to time, and I'm not going to lie. I've definitely shot a buck in the last, like, three years because of it. You think so? I'm fairly certain. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I step in I, – I purposely step in cow patties on the way to my tree stands. For <laughs> th- That's my cover scent with a little nose jammer. Yeah. That's my yeah, cover I, scent. I do, I do like nose jammer too, but um, – so, yeah, I started with that, uh, with the problem with – uh, most of those rubber knee high boots is you get one season out of them and then they crack, you know, where your foot right. bends and they leak and they're, I don't know, 150 to $180 for one season. Yeah. So that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big bummer. Um, I have had luck with the lacrosse over Irish setter. Um, Irish setter's got like this rut master boot and the ankle on it is so tight that you have to sit down and with both hands rip the boots off your feet. Oh boy. And that was with like nothing, like no layers jammed like in the leg of the boot, you know? Right. And I, I read a lot of reviews on it and a lot of people had that same problem. So I don't know if they've corrected the issue. That was probably two, three years ago. It was the Rupmaster 2.0s. Yeah. Not Not to single a specific product out, but it is a, gear podcast um so yeah i've had good luck with lacrosse and then for elk hunting i have really struggled to find a good pair of boots until just recently i went through a pair of boots each season um i was wearing uh merrill's just because it's like a it's a it's a middle of the road option yep and they never last more than one season uh between between the the training you do to get ready for the season and then the actual hunt um they've just ended up failing me by the end of the hunt i know 2017 uh i I elk hunted in idaho in september and it snowed for the whole week yep and i was lacing up frozen boots in the morning um because the waterproofing on them just broke free and on the second to last day, the heel of the boot was legitimately coming apart at me. Man. On a, on a, on a backcountry elk hunt when you're five miles from a vehicle. And that I was with not your Merrells. Merrells. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was. Okay. Merrells, Merrells, whatever. Yeah, I don't even know how to properly pronounce it. Man, we're horrible at this podcast thing. Like, we're talking <laughs> brands and we can't even we can't even pronounce them right. Right, but I I get you, man. I have I've, I had the same exact experience with a pair of Morels. Like, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a backcountry hunt, but I wore them working landscaping, uh, which is kind of intense, right? So maybe that maybe that boot is made for just trail hiking and not necessarily going off grid type, you know? Right, going bananas out in the backcountry. It's just like, right. okay, if you want a really good pair of boots. Now, don't get me wrong. They were comfortable. They were very comfortable yes, boots. Yes, exactly. But yep. it's like that heel, the heel came apart on them or the sole started to rip. And uh, I, I wore them during a, my archery season one year. And they were 
I didn't really have to walk through a ton of water or, but what happened was I, you know, they're, they're only good up to a certain temperature. Then you got to go to a bigger boot. Right. So yeah, very true. All right, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, so I finally, I finally got so fed up with it after 2017 that 2018, I, I bought a pair of Krispies. Mm-hmm. The, uh, all the reviews on them were, were fantastic. I know a lot of, and I can't believe I'm about to admit this, but a lot of social media personalities were wearing them and, uh, you sucker. They, uh, well, I mean, they were reviewing them very well. So, but I've, I've had them for a yeah, since early 2018, yep. I've done a lot of hiking on them. I use them. I wear them every time I'm doing any scouting, any, any tree stand work, anything on my elk hunts. And I'm actually wearing them right now. And they, I mean, they, they obviously look like I wear them, but they, they don't look much older than, you know, a, a month old out of the box. So, and right. they're a year and a half old and they probably have got to have at least 150 miles on them if not more yeah so yeah so and no 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 blisters you know they're still waterproof yeah so I, I'm, I'm that's a purchase that i i'm happy that i made what what brand or what uh style of crispy it's the summit so it's their it's i think it's one of their lighter options and um it's not insulated so Let's see yep. here. I'm going to go to their website real quick. So it's, uh, it, it's not, is it a leather boot? Uh, I think it's got, it's, I think it's like that Cordura. So it's green material. Yes. Yeah. I have the same exact boots, dude. Okay. Yeah. You like them? The Thor GXT or GTX? No, these are the summits. Summit. The crispy summits. Okay. I have the Thor, I think. Yeah. What'd they cost you? I think I found like a 10% discount code for Black Ovis, and I think I paid like 280 bucks for him. Okay. Yeah, that's which is right along where I paid. It was like 320 after tax. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I bought them at a, uh, a Shields in Iowa. So, okay. So it's a, I like to buy my boots and some of my clothing from an actual place so you can go on and, and, try them on and walk in them and, and all that stuff so so you like you like those crispies then you found you found something that you f- feel is good yes absolutely okay. so okay uh what about then on the so you're sticking with your lacrosse boots for your colder weather type hunts yeah and i'll say so i'm on my this will be my third year on those and i am willing to bet that they're probably going to spring a leak at the worst time, probably November 1st. And, um, I'll probably have to be looking at breaking in a new pair, but so they're 800 gram thin slip. Yeah. And when I first got them, I mean, they were toasty hot, but I think just like my feet sweat and I just, you know, always having like, if you wear two pairs of wool socks, just all that extra pressure in there. I think that thin slip gets compressed and they just don't retain heat as well i kind of noticed that towards the end of last year yeah um so i think it might just be time to to get a new pair uh just to kind of re-up the the heat factor of them for when when temperatures do drop but yeah they the first year i had them i i could not believe how warm my feet stayed in the in the tree stand so what were was that the alpha burley pro or what was what that 
What boot was that? Yes, it was. Okay. That's the Alpha Burley Pro. Okay, cool. 800 gram. Yeah, I think I think they make a 1200 gram, but that seemed a bit overkill. Yeah, which I'll be honest, man. For some reason, if you were going to single out a part of my body that if it gets cold, I give up, it's my toes, man. I don't know what it is. I've tried just about everything. I wear the Alpha Burley Pros as well um, with, you know, once I've tried the one sock, you know, method where hopefully that air keeps it warm. I've tried the, you know, the, the two or three sock method, you know, no matter what, if you're not moving, that cold is going to get to you at some point. And like I mentioned in the other podcast, when we started talking, you know, when we were talking about clothing, once my feet are cold, I got to I either have to move and walk around or go back to the truck because I don't know. I'm a big pussy when it comes to my feet. I hear you. I'm I'm a big pussy when it just comes to being cold. <laughs> so, <laughs> Period. Right. I've always told people I would rather it be 90 degrees and it be miserably hot. Right. Because if you're hot, you're just uncomfortable. You're when just you're sweating. cold, it is painful. Yes. It's painful. Yes. So. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So. So let's see here. Any any other type of boot that you've done in the past that you liked or disliked for any any real occasion? Um, not uh, not hunting related, but uh, for work, I've been wearing uh, Red Wing King Toes for ten years, and absolutely love them. Is that a steel toed boot? It is. Yeah. Okay. So with that said. That's a perfect transition because I used to wear my work boots for, for most of my hunting career. I was wearing a, a pair of Rockies work boot with a steel toe in them. Or let's see, what was the other one? What, what brand did you say? Uh, mine were the Red, Red Wing. Okay, I never had Red Wings. But let's see, uh, Rockies or um, Wolverines. Like- uh, yep. they, had, they had some, and then I just wear a big sock, like a couple thick socks under. So my feet were just crammed tight in there. Right. So I would, when I was working in a factory or when I was, you know, working construction or landscaping, most of the time I had a, a, a work boot, uh, steel toed, whatever. And when it came hunting time, because I was broke, that's what I hunted in. And my feet were getting cold a lot and I probably tried to tough it out for far too long to where you get to the car, you throw the, the heater on, you blow it on the defrost mode straight on your toes. And it just like, as they started to warm up, it was painful. I mean, mm-hmm. it was painful to warm the toes up. And, uh, so eventually I ended up going to a, a hiking boot, right? Which was, or I, I kind of did, two things at the same time one was i went to a muck boot which is basically just a chore boot with um i don't even know if this had insulation but what it did was it kept my feet dry i say that with an asterisk because (laughs) you know because it the the muck boots did a good job of keeping water out but you know as a rubber boot they're not really breathable so the moisture stays in the boot with the muck boot. And so I had to ventilate by rolling the tops down and getting some fresh air in there. And that kind of defeated the purpose for sacrificing dryness 
for because once your feet gets wet game's over right the cold's gonna eventually sneak in if your if your feet are sweating so eventually i mean i i remember even one season i was using one pair of boots to walk into the stand my hiking boots and then when i get there i put my muck boots on or you know i have a pair of alpha burley pros as well but put my muck boot on because it was dry my feet my feet were dry from the hike in and then eventually you know but still that on a rubber boot typically especially not one designed because back then muck didn't wasn't really designing anything for hunting so right i had my feet were just getting sweaty and you know that defeats the purpose even when i was wearing a merino uh sock a wool sock you know that merino's good if on the back end of that sock that moisture has somewhere to go but the moisture doesn't have anywhere to go so it's sitting in there regardless of what the fabric is of your sock right so i found that you know the mucks had a certain use right if it's wet early season uh that's probably all i'm going to use it for but when you get into colder conditions um then i kind of switch to the um the alpha burly pros that I have. And this is what sucks about a rubber boot. I feel I have an insulated pair and climbing up a tree stand in a big, thick pair of boots. I don't care what kind of tree stand you have. It sucks. Whether you have a ladder stand or whether you have like, I, I, I do a ton of mobile hunting, run and gun. And, I don't care how long the stick or the the peg on the stick is. It's not big enough. It's crazy. Like the boots are just so bulky and big, but they keep my feet warm a little, a little more. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a give and take. Yeah. Yep. Just, uh, maintain three points of contact, man. That's right. That's That's all you can do. That's right. So I do that. And then, um, and that pretty much gets me through the winter or through the, the late, even into the late season. Um, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of moisture trapped in there because it's a rubber boot. But, uh, I think that the alpha burly pros do a real good job of have a little bit more ventilation than let's say like the muck boots that I, that I was using. Yeah. So, yep. Let's see. So then, yeah. So like I said, at the same time I, I got into a pair of muck boots and rubber boots was the same time I picked up a pair of morels or Merrells or whatever the hell they're called. Um, and so I picked, uh, I picked a pair of those up when I was doing my landscaping, uh, working, you know, for landscaping guy. And then that transitioned into early season. I wore those during early season. Uh, and then I went out West a couple times, uh, and I wore those boots as well. But then, like, I just noticed that the sole, everything else seemed to stay where it was at. It was a, a non-insulated pair of morels, but the the sole, like you said, just kind of started coming apart. It didn't, I think I had them for two years. And I don't know about you, what what do you expect a pair of boots to last when you buy them, regardless of I the would, price? Regardless of price? That's a that's Two a good to... question though because I literally forgot my boots out 
at my home here when I went down to my main farm to check trail cameras. So I went to Walmart and bought like a $25 pair of boots and they literally lasted maybe a day and a half. And now they sit in my garage and they have a hole, <laughs> hole in, the, in, in there. Right. So, uh, take yeah. that, take that with a grain of salt. How, how long? Let's just, well, to make it easy, let's say like your, your average, you know, your mid grade, uh, you know, if you're spending a hundred dollars or more on a pair of boots, right. it should be lasting you, in my opinion, two to three years, two to three you, years. You would think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do, you, how do, what do you think? Yeah. Like, again, kind of going back to the conversation I had about the apex hoodie, right? Like I spent $200. I should have that garment for a long time, but I also know that I beat the shit out of my equipment. Right. Mm -hmm. And yes. I am hard on it. Not only, you know, everything. And so I think that for a hundred, a hundred bucks, you should get a, a year out of a, a, a pair of boots, depending on, you know, what the application is for. So like an Alpha Burley pro, a bigger boot, a, a rubber boot that's heavily insulated that you're only using for winter time. You're not using that boot in the spring. You're not using it in the summer. You're not using it in early fall. So I expect something like that. And even though, I don't know, what's the Al Alpha Burley cost? I, full disclosure, I got it for free because lacrosse is a sponsor of the, of the sportsman's nice, nation. Nice. Right. So I think they're like, two so does it. So if those boots only two, so those boots only last like a week, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. For me, but you know, <laughs> right. I got it for free, but, but, uh, uh, you know, on a typical, on a, you know, when I buy a pair of boots, cause I bought my crispies, right. They were th over 300 bucks. I expect those and I use them, I'll be using them a lot. I use them whitetail. I use them out west. I beat the shit out of them. Uh, I expect that to last two to three years for that price point. At the yes. at, at the same amount of abuse, right? But on an Alpha Burley Pro, uh, something that is expensive, that is five, I would, I would say five years out of that application, if not more, because I'm only using them really to two to three months out of the year, you know, when I, when I start shed hunting, I'll, I'll wear those boots, you know, just if there's a lot of snow on the ground. Right. So I don't know. It just depends on the application. And ex especially if you're spending $300, cause I have the pair of crispies as well. And that's what I eventually, you know, I went from my morels. I think I had another, another hiking boot i can't remember what it was it was a mid road mid, middle of the road probably to that hundred dollar price point in 2014 i wear those for a couple years then i didn't do any western hunts so i stuck with my you know my uh early season work boots and then i had my mucks as well so that lasted me and then the alpha Burley pros came into the picture so so then I started going on my Western hunts again. So I started looking for a new, uh, a new boot. And that's when I, I decided to go with the crispy, uh, that you know, just th through reviews, through trying them on. Um, and I don't know, just overall feel, I, they're, they're a very comfortable boot. And I don't think you have, they say that there's not a huge break in period. Like you can put on a pair of crispies and just start, start wearing them. If that makes sense. Yes. 
Yep. So did you have did you have that with your crispies? Did you have any breaking period with them or no? Well, I bought them in the summer before the hunt, and I used them to train and check trail cameras, and I wore them around the house. Like, what I do is when I buy a pair of boots, um, I try to get them in the summer, and then I'll break them in by mowing the yard with them. So I'll wear them while I okay. mow, mow the yard or while I'm training. Like I, I got a pack with some weight on it, and then I'll I'll use it to train, and then that way it's fully broken in by the time. Uh, you know, by the time the whatever hunts I have come up, right, 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 yeah. So I hear you. The crispies, I mean, they last, and I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place here, but so kind of going back to our, the original question of how long, if I'm spending a hundred bucks on a pair of, I guess early season hiking, kind of general boot. I would probably expect a hundred bucks to last me a year. If I'm going up to that $300 mark, I'm expecting it to last maybe two to three years. Um, if I'm buying a big bulky winter boot, like the alpha burly pros, I'm expecting that to have a longer life lifespan because I'm just straight up using it less. Yeah. Yep. So I hear you. Yep. So then I would say, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to talk about, um, you know, fit a little bit. Um, I just, just with the crispies, it seems like a lot of reviews that I read. And even for me personally, um, I have a wide foot and a lot of reviews I read definitely commented about how wide the toe box is on them. Yeah. Um, and so if you have a wide foot, it's crispies definitely going to be something you want to look at. Yeah. Um, I have my elk hunting partner. He's been wearing the same pair of, I believe they're Las Sportivas. Yeah. And that he's had those for like five or six years and he still wears them. But that he said they're he's got a narrow foot and he says definitely a narrow narrower narrower boot. Right. Um so yeah, those are just some things to consider. Right. Let's see. So my I don't know, this happens with all of my shoes and all of my boots. And it maybe it's because of the way my foot is is or my heel is, but even if they have the heel lock laces, for some reason, when I'm active, I can never get a pair of boots. I don't care what brand it is to lock my heel in tight. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. And, and so even when I was on this last year's elk hunt, I didn't get any blisters. I was feeling very, you know, the boot was comfortable, but when we start walking downhill, or side side hilling, my heel, I feel like my toes are coming way into the front of the boot, and I don't know if I'm not lacing it up right. I mean, I looked into it, I asked other guys who have the same boot, they t- they tell me to do it how I had it, and I don't know. There's and it it's not just a crispy, it's all boots that I have this problem with, where I can't, and it, then if I I try to wrap it too tight to make the heel like forcefully stay in, then it's uncomfortable somewhere else on my foot. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't want to tie it too tight for fear of getting a blister, but at the same time, I hate it when I'm going downhill and my foot's just sliding to the front of the boot. Yeah, I don't, I hear you. I I have the same, I have the same exact issue, even to the point where I've gotten blisters on the, the front of my toes from that um i don't yeah from going downhill from my from my toes being jammed in the front of the front of the boot 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's usually with a heavy load on. I will say that it's usually with like, yeah. And at that point, if you have a heavy load on, most likely you have a dead animal. Which at that so, point it doesn't matter. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> if you exactly. kill an elk and you're packing right. it out and you get the blister, man, that's all good. Yeah, br- yeah, bring it on, bring on the blisters. Yeah, right, exactly. I'll pay that price. That's right, because blisters so. will go away. Exactly. Cool. So, anything else like from a from a standpoint of what you're actually looking for? Now we've talked about what we've used. What are you, what are you looking for? in a, in a boot as let's, let's start with a, a Western boot. Uh, that I'm just looking for, um, I, I don't know the exact name of the material, but it's down. It's the, it's the bottom inch that goes all the way around your boot. I've noticed crispy has it. I think Kenetrex have it. Um, but that initial protection all the way around the bottom, that's going to be like your higher strength material. So they don't, um, they don't break down. And then I'm looking also at kind of stitching, where the stitching comes together to kind of figure out if there's going to be like uh, wear, like wear points on on the boots. Yeah. Um, that's something I consider. And then uh, basically the the weight of them. That's why I went with the the crispy summits. They're I think they're the lightest option you can get on the crispy line. Uh, and then I just always want to make sure they're waterproof as well. So, yeah. And I don't, for a Western hunt, because I'm always hunting in September, I don't, I've never gone with an insulated hiking boot. Maybe if I was hunting in October, I would, and I would still only go lightweight, only like a 200 gram. Um, but I like that, that year that I hunted in, in Idaho in the, in the snow, as long as you're moving around. And my feet stayed, my feet stayed warm. It, yeah, I mean, they, they, my boots froze overnight cause we were sleeping in a tent. Um, and you had to lace up, I had to lace up frozen boots in the morning, Yeah. but uh, you get moving and after 20 minutes, your feet are finally warm again. Yeah. But, Wet, but warm, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. anything else as far as what you're actually looking for in a, in a hiking boot? or a, like a western style boot not no are you like a, a high ankle support oh, or just a yeah. low ankle support does does sole like a, matter to you the sole like what the tread looks like no tread doesn't really bother me too much um i don't i don't worry about that too much i do like a softer boot that's for sure i've got i don't know that i have tough ankles or anything like that but i've always i've never really i've never had an ankle injury in my life and i i do a lot of uh like wet wading in the summer on rivers and you know you're always stepping on you know gravel bars and you know underwater logs and stuff like that and uh, there's many times where i've thought to myself i should have rolled or sprained an ankle and i haven't um so i like i do like a softer boot just because I don't really need a stiff boot for that ankle protection. With that said, I do have like the the six inch. It's not it's not the it's not the high, the high boot like the high ankle boot. It's right. it's your just your average. I don't know if it's a five inch or six inch ankle, but uh, that's just what I wear. Right. So yeah, 
I'm de- I'm definitely the kind of guy who's looking for something that's eight inches uh, or a little higher. I need it to go above my ankle. I don't know why. I think it's just a support thing. Um, I've done. I've never done, uh, let's say, one of my training sessions in a lower than eight inch boot or my tennis shoes. Or I've done it in my tennis shoes once, and just walking up a hill with not with very little ankle support. It's it's I'm thinking about it. It doesn't hurt or I don't feel uncomfortable, but I'm thinking about it and I don't want to think about it. If that makes sense. I want right, to yeah. have it, you know, have it covered. So I'm looking for uh, something that's eight inches or taller. I got some friends who go all the way up to the bottom of their calf, like a really high boot. Um, yes. I don't know if I'd feel I've never I've never even looked at them. I've never considered a boot that high. Maybe if we were Maybe if I was going into some kind of snake country, but in Colorado at 10,000 feet, there's, I don't, I don't know. There might be snakes. I doubt it. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of rattlesnakes there if, uh, if that makes sense. So I'm looking for eight inch, uh, boots. I'm looking for, you know, a, a quality sole, you know, I'm not, again, I don't really care what the tread looks like, but. I want it to be somewhat aggressive. I don't want it to be too smooth because, you know, that is what's touching the ground on some of these really steep climbs and descents, right? So I want to make sure I have a uh, a really good tread on the bottom of the boot. I'm looking for something that's Gore-Tex waterproofed, right? Something that's going to, you know, if I have to cross a creek or if I have to walk through some wet grass in the morning. Uh, I don't want my, I don't want to get soaked. And I think in a combination with my boots this year with uh, a gator, I should be, I should be even better off than I was last year. Right. Cause I had to walk through, we had to walk through a lot of wet grass last year at, uh, and cause it would rain and then we'd move and then the bottom of my pant would get wet and uh, it just kind of finds its way of working its way up your body. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I think in a combination with the gators, I'm going to find a little bit more dryness there. And then I'm look, you know, I I mentioned the ankles, but a really a boot that has, um, ankle laces, you know? So on my crispy, I can go all the way back and really lock that heel in as tight as possible. Right. I'm still, getting some slide in there. I'm still getting in it. Like I said, it, that's with any boot I've ever tried on or I've owned. I'm still getting a, a little bit of heel slide, but I want the option to tie the, the heel and the ankle in really tight, have really good ankle support, you know, for when we do or when or if, uh, I ever do kill an elk or have a, a big pack out or pack in or whatever. I want that, that support. Um, and like you said, the toe box is important because if you don't have that room in there, I think that's where the blisters come from is yeah. just your, your, your foot has to be tight around the ankle and I don't know the first couple inches of your foot, but the toes almost need to be free. If, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. That's exactly how I wear my boots as well. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then there are some other things like, you know, I think crispy, they have the some of them have a uh, a vibram sole some of them don't i don't know if that necessarily matters to me i know vibrams uh is it vibram v i b r a m that's a, a 
company that just makes soles. Right. Right. So then they put them on a variety of different boots. You know, I don't think that matters to me. Uh, Like I said, that pair of morels that I had, I think had a Vibram sole on it and it still fell off. So it may have, I don't know. Anyway, like I said, Gore. uh, And then I just, I just want it to be able to take a beating, right? It has to look like it's put together. Well, I don't want, I've had boots before where, let's see, I, I have a pair of pronghorn boots that I wear early season and uh, from Danner. Was it Danner? Yeah, a Danner. Yeah, it'd be the Danner pronghorns for yeah, sure, yeah. I have a pair of those, and I wear those early season as well. I kind of mix them in and out. But I was I like to wrench on my laces, and I had one of those uh, lace hooks pop out. And I, you know, I've never got it fixed, but... Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, the boot overall works very well. The Danner, that boot does that pronghorn boot. I've worn it. I wore that boot on my very first elk hunt. And then I've worn it, you know, several you know, off and on with my early season, my crispies that I wear now. So it's kind of a dependence if it's wet or where I'm going. Uh, I'll kind of, cause that, that boot is insulated really lightly. So if it's, if it's a real warm Early season hunt, I'll wear my crispies. If it's that mid-October where it starts to get cool, I'll wear the pronghorns. And then when it, it gets cold, then I'll wear the um, the Alpha Burley Pros. But for, for a hiking boot, I guess that's kind of what I'm looking for. Now kind of going into the late season where you want something with a lot of insulation or you, or you can find that combination. Because I know guys who wear their hiking boot all winter long, but they, they have a bigger size in it. So it allows them to pack maybe a real thick sock in there as well. Um, and I've never really found that happy medium yet to where I can get a, a boot paired with a really good sock that just keeps me warm. I, yeah. I haven't found that yet. I'm still I'm still playing that game. But when it gets, you know, I'm throwing the Alpha Burley, Alpha Burley's on. And so I'm looking for something with that's just basically well insulated and well built. It's it's almost like at this point, uh, the brand does matter. I'm looking for a, a company that's been out for a really long time. I'm looking for a company that has a history of making a good boot. I'm looking for reviews. Um, and then I'm just seeing what other people have to say about these big these bigger rubber boots and that's kind of where, where i lean yeah i'm uh, i'm right there with you i'm uh yeah i think browning lacrosse irish setter uh kind of probably just depends on on fit for you if you're looking right. for like a knee-high option um muck boots now like you know i had these these chore boots or these farm boots but now muck boots in the past couple of years, I think past five years, they've upgraded and they've got several options. So that's another boot um, that you might yes. want to look into for a cold weather. Wait, yeah. What other brands can you think of? I've uh, there's Boggs, B O G S Boggs. Right. Uh, anything that I've ever worn that was by them, and it's only been work related because mm-hmm. um, they're like a knockoff of a muck boot. Um, they're like a knockoff of that chore steel toe muck boot. Right. Uh, those are not comfortable. 
they, and they, they fall apart very easily okay. from what we've seen on a lot of our job sites. So yeah, our company actually doesn't want to even buy those for our employees anymore. Gotcha. The bogs. So they stick with the muck boots. Okay. Because, um, yeah, muck, muck makes that chore steel toe. So that's why. And then they make a, another insulated steel toe, which uh, no one's going to wear a steel toe uh, hunting. I understand that. It's just that's the only experience I have with them is the steel toe versions. But, yeah, it's like the, the muck Arctic Pro. Um, those are super warm. Um, I've never worn them hunting. But I have worn them for work. And even with the steel toe, out in the wintertime, um, feet have stayed plenty warm. Gotcha. And that's just with a, a pair of cotton socks, you know, just your typical work socks. Like, oh, like oh crap, got to go do something outside for the next three hours. And you slap on your heavy-duty boots. And f- feet stay plenty warm in them. So that's, that's a positive for the muck boots. Um, I don't know. I I. I don't know that there is a way for knee-high boots to not crack where your where your toe bends. You know where your toe bends on that right. rubber boot. I think that that's anytime I've had a pair of knee-high rubber boots fail me, it's been in that spot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and for me, like I, I'm only wearing that rubber boot walking from my truck to my tree stand and back. Right? It's not like I'm hanging out in them. So right, right. I, I guess I've, I've, I, I've seen that in my muck boot, but I, I didn't use my muck boots the same as I use my alpha burly pros, right? I'm using my alpha burly pros specific for, uh, let's see, specific for cold weather hunting. I'm not using them typically to go shed hunting, maybe a couple times. I was using my, my muck boots because I, my, my shoe size is 11 or an 11 and a half depending on um you know what boot but i got my alpha burly pros in a 12 so that way i could pack a bigger sock into it you know uh, more socks if i needed to Uh, i can wear a heavy wool sock and that that makes up the space in there now my crispies are 11 and a halfs and they fit great and my mucks, I think, were an 11 and a half as well. So I couldn't get away with packing. I, I mean, I still could, but I forced, you know, it was a little tighter of a, a fit for my muck boots. But I would use my muck boots to do a lot of shed hunting. So I definitely saw the wear and tear on the muck boots that I'm not seeing on the Alpha Burley Pros. And that's strictly because the application and how I'm using them, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm right, I'm right there with you. Um, the, uh, the alpha burleys that I have, I wear size 12 across the board. My, my hiking boots, always a size 12 work boots, tennis shoes, anything size 12. Um, the alpha burleys, those, any knee high boot that I wear for like the insulated knee high boot, whether it's lacrosse, lacrosse, mm-hmm. Irish setter, whatever. I've always wear a 13. That way I can put that that big heavy wool sock in there. And like you said, it tightens everything right up. Right. Absolutely. Dude. Well, we're coming up on the end here. Uh, anything else about boots that you'd like to share tips, tricks? Um, I know for me, I'm getting ready to, I probably don't need to do it, but I'm going to do it just for peace of mind. I'm going to, I'm going to wash my crispies before my elk hunt. And then I'm going to probably, apply another layer of waterproofing to them like you can buy the sprays 
just okay. just to I don't know, you know, cuz just like a tent or any anything, right? That waterproofing over time may crack or have a leak in it, and I'm not saying that it does, but I, I would love to have that additional peace of mind because I don't want to go up uh, in the mountain and, like you said, have a wet boot that just complete because a boot doesn't dry out in four hours, eight hours, unless you got no. some kind of fire or one of those uh, boot dryers. And without electricity up in the mountains, I don't have the opportunity for a boot dryer. So, you know, I just I don't want any wet feet. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only tips I have, it goes right along with drying your boots out. If you're, if you're Western hunting, the only way that I've ever found to truly dry your boots out is if you're doing what we call nooning, where you're just laying on top of a mountain, taking a midday nap because there's nothing going on. Yeah. Um, kick your boots off and, and let them dry out in the sun if you have that option. And then uh, this, this fall, uh, with my knee highs, I noticed that by actually bringing them inside and putting them in front of a register every single night and making sure they're completely dry. Um, when I put them out in the morning, that, that helped out a lot, drying them out every single night when you're getting in that, when you're in that November week long, 10 day long rut hunt. Right. And you know, you're just, especially if you're out on some bigger farms and you know, the, uh, you got, you know, a half mile, three quarter of a mile walk. Yeah. Your feet can definitely work up a pretty good sweat. So just dry your boots out as much as possible. Good deal. Good deal. So do you think that was a good conversation on boots? I do. Cool. I do. Cool. And like always guys, uh, for, for you guys who are listening, you know, when I post this on the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page or on Instagram or on the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, page, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. I would, you know, if if you think that we're just a bunch of dipshits, tell us we're a bunch of dipshits and then give some reasoning. I mean, I don't want to see a comment that just says, hey, you're a dipshit, period, because I get that from my buddies already. But But what I would like is, hey, you're a dipshit because... And then talk to us about your experiences, share your guys' thoughts on boots, maybe boot and sock combinations, because we're always learning here as well. And, you know, we don't want what we're saying to be gospel. I want this to be an interactive community to talk about gear. Um, And the reason for that is because, you know, a lot of people make purchases decision, purchasing decisions based off of what other people tell them. And I don't want someone to, you know, say, Hey, well, this guy wears this. So I need to buy that. I want everybody to do their research. And I think this is a great, a great, I don't know, opportunity to do that. What do you say, Bob? Hey, I'm right there with you. Like I said, my, my wife tells me I'm a dipshit all the time. (laughs) So uh, no, I just, it's a, it's a community. There's enough, um, there's enough on social media that pulls hunters away from each other. And this is a, a great place where we can all come together and share ideas. So Absolutely. that's what, that's what this is. This podcast is for. Cool. Ma- making, making everybody's hunt better and making everyone's purchases more sound. Yeah. That's a great way to end it. Bob, have a good rest of your week and a good weekend. And uh, everybody else, hopefully you, hopefully you enjoyed this. Please go subscribe to the hunting gear podcast on itunes or wherever you download this um it's also on the 
Sportsman's Nation Big Game and Whitetail feeds as well. So you can download it there and get all the content, or you can uh, download it by itself uh, with the Hunting Gear Podcast standalone feed. Hopefully that makes sense. Go to the Sportsman's Nation uh, website, sportsmansnation.com, for a ton of other great content that's more strategy related and uh good luck to everybody this upcoming season and we're gonna we're gonna continue to try to put these out on a weekly basis and at the same time i know i've said this in previous scheduling the manufacturers to come on and talk about some of this stuff is difficult so my goal originally was to have the 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 podcast where me and bob talk and then the podcast where I have the manufacturers from some of these boots and, uh, and products on afterwards, a representative uh, from the companies. And it's just, it's, I'm finding that it's difficult because this time of year, especially, is the buying season. So everybody within the company or the organization is really busy. Uh, there's that. And then if you guys have a recommendation of a category that you want us to cover or talk about, Send me uh, a DM through Instagram or through Facebook, and uh, we'll make it happen. So until next time, guys, have a good one.